0: up? From Alpha to Omega, VHS the beta, PlayStation the Sega, my skill is still greater. The sickest thing says BD, wicked like Weiji. Live my life
1: crooked like the left finger on ET. I'm trying to figure yeah. out. If this is even a real thing, I've been seeing this promoted lately. It don't got a release date until late 2019. They talking about like November 8, 2019. Sonic the Hedgehog? They doing a live-action Sonic? Like I, I'm really trying to figure out if this is a real thing. Oh man, I don't know, I guess it's gonna be. definitely gonna be, uh... I don't, I, and when uh, I say live action, I don't mean live action. I, I mean a, a feature, Sonic the Hedgehog, and one of my main mans, I'm gonna mention him later, he's slated to do the character Dr. Eggman. I don't know, man, I, I think I need my gamer people to hit me up on this because this something I heard whispers about it before and I thought it was BS so I didn't go down the rabbit hole. But apparently they're doing a Sonic the Hedgehog feature film.
0: Take it to the next level, the that is. is it's kind of interesting because I'm wondering. Like the
1: villain, man, you what, the, what the hell nice is that gonna be? Yeah. I see a YouTube clip that says live action. I don't. I don't know,
0: man. You stars
1: and oh. shit. Oh. Like it's supposed to be a, a real thing, live action with some animation or whatever. I don't know. Mm-hmm.
0: What she is? This? Scare kids.
1: Yeah, I, Look, kids, that that thing looks crazy. But if you keep it real, I'm not surprised that they didn't do it more. Like, you know, the Mario Brothers had some minimal success or whatever. And I know the gamer world is big, and then you got your video games that get converted into movies. I don't think they were super successful. The biggest one to me was Resident Evil. But then, you know, they did a lot of them. They did Doom, they did Silent Hill. But those movies are already encompassed in somewhat of a real world. Sonic is the most unrealistic thing I can think of in a video game world next to Pac-Man. It's
0: probably going to be like some shit like Tron. Like, in his own little world and shit. That's interesting. That's interesting. I'm, I mean, that's the only thing I can really
1: think of to kind of compare it to. Well, you know. Because Tron was a game, right? No. Tron was a, always a movie, but it was based in a in the earliest versions of what we interpreted virtual reality to be. Uh, Tron okay. was always a Disney movie. Got gotcha. you. And then they rebooted it with Tron Legacy. And I appreciate that reboot because it was more like a sequel. But you know, this ain't no video game pod. This is a movie pod.
0: Yeah, so let's get off them
1: damn video games. What up? What up? What up, world? Welcome guys. This is your main man, Kenny Dean. And
0: it's your man, Kenny Concepts. And welcome to Conflicted once again.
1: Yes, the super dope pod show that gives you a very refreshing, funky, fresh hip-hop take on some of your favorite box office, Blu-ray, home streaming, independent movies. We got a little bit of all that for y'all, man. Whatever we can come up with. I find myself feeling like... There's never enough minutes in our hour, just like there's never enough time in a the day. There's never enough hours in a day. You heard that saying, right? I feel that saying. Y'all know when we sit down and we do this pod, man, it feel like we have an idea of the direction that we're going to go. You know, we commit to going to see the movies that we see. We might throw a few tidbits of information in there left to right if, if it's parallel to the movie subject. But I think that, man, some of the times when we're doing our very best is when we freeball it a little bit. Yeah. You know, I mean, like... Just being real. It, because this is where it really came from. Me and my main man sitting around, usually on set, we chopping it up about movies that we either want to see, got a certain feeling about, done seen. And it don't matter if it's super current or a little older, but look, look at our world, man. We can talk about movies forever. It's never enough minutes in the hour. Never. What's mm-hmm. good with you, brother? Not much,
0: man. Editing, ready to get back to working. It's been a been a slow couple months.
1: Oh yeah, oh yeah. Uh any of our other colleagues out there, they know man, the work season been a little slow. Hashtag set life been a little dead, but we know the schedule, filling up them emails is coming in. People asking about some days. I just hate that some of those days keep falling along the same days. Yeah, man, I you say it's three jobs on one day? Man, we looking up. at we looking at January 23rd, they trying to book 3 different jobs on the same day. And I want to tell these producers and these coordinators, man, talk to each other.
0: Straight up, don't make it so hard on yourself.
1: I mean, if y'all talk to each other, then y'all can forecast, all right? We could book a bunch of guys on this day instead of this day and have everybody. And then I'll get paid. Me too. <laughs> Somewhere. Man, holla at the people, man. You say you've been editing, telling people about what you've been working on. i uh, just been working on um Eat Sleep Froth or
0: I Like Chains. we still up in the air with that. We got to figure it out. I mean, our pages say Eat Sleep Froth, so look it up on Eat Sleep Froth. But, you know, when it's said and done, it may be called I Like Chains. It's a Ooh. little bit indecisive, but, you know, hey, got to do the right thing.
1: Man, that's all good, man. Keep the people <laughs> up on the. The other ventures that we got going on, man. I got a couple of things in the works for 2019. Um, a lot of them, realistically, I can't talk about. Not necessarily for jinx sake, but they just so early in the pre-production stage, I got to let them flesh out and manifest and turn into something a little more before I throw too much information out there about it. And I want to put misleading information out there. The project end up changing direction, going a couple of different ways. So I'm going to let it be what it be. But I'm even though 2019 is starting off a little slow, I know it's a whole lot in the pipeline. So I think we're going to be some busy brothers.
0: Oh, yeah. And I'm still, uh, I don't know. It's just I got so much going on. I'm still going to drop this YouTube show. And I want to drop another short this year because it's going to be my last short. So I want my last short to be dope. Mm. So, yeah, it's going to be my last short of the year. And I already, uh, I actually started writing it last night after I got done coming up with some, uh, some material for me and you. My mans. That's what's poppin'. You got any, um, you got anything to talk about as far as any set life stories, anything that came about besides the same date booking?
1: Well, what I will tap into a little bit as far as some of the stuff that's going on in 2019 is mainly because some of it is stemming from 2018 still and folks are just now getting a chance to see it, I'm going to take a bigger step into the acting world a little bit. You know, it's always something I flirted with a little bit and, you know, tried to get my chops up a little bit and, and getting a little education behind it. And I realized along the way it's it's difficult. And, and I've watched other people be put in front of the camera. Like, especially folks that aren't used to being in front of the camera and may not necessarily want to be in front of the camera in a speaking capacity, whether we're talking about politicians, whether we're talking about people that just work with corporations when we're doing, like, corporate speaking pieces, or athletes. You know, athletes don't always spend a lot of time in front of the camera talking or reciting lines. I mean, over the past yeah, couple... Yeah,
0: but them motherfuckers can't talk.
1: <coughs> a lot of them motherfuckers can't
0: talk, man. Straight up. I.e. Doug Evans from back in the day. But you look up some old stuff about Doug Evans. You do know about somebody who can't talk.
1: <laughs> no, athletes
0: got it bad, man. That's so, why your boy was so great at a young age because he could talk
1: in front of the camera like a man. Yeah, it's crazy because, believe it or not, that's a lot of where my gumption is coming from now. Like watching the stuff that he's been doing last year. Mm-hmm. Like when he did the... Um, the big weight campaign is featured on the Arby's website. They got him all over the place with, with some with some um, some videos, some steals. Th- that campaign actually ended up being way bigger than I thought it was gonna be on okay. the low. I ain't gonna put Arby's on blast and I think he could have got paid a couple more dollars, but that's neither here nor there.
0: Okay.
1: He got the tourism spot that we all in as a family that got Donald driver in it. We shot it last year, but a lot of folks seeing it this year. My, my youngest boy, man... Oh, you talking about your son? I'm yeah. talking about your boy, LeBron.
0: Oh, with some of the stuff that he doing in L.A.? No, I'm saying as far as him... When when I first got into it, I was saying like how you could talk at a young age. You're know, talking about people talking in front of cameras.
1: Oh, when you said my
0: boy, I thought you meant my son. Well, you know, your boy doing his thing, too. That's cool, because like, I know he doing his thing.
1: No, LeBron is my guy. Yeah. And, yes, he, he did get... He was one of the last players to get... Drafted straight to the league from high school. They don't do that no more. You got to do. They prefer if you do two years or it's one and done. Now we turn it into a sports podcast. You <laughs> just free ball. <laughs> But LeBron, I really appreciate what he doing in Hollywood. I appreciate LeBron as an athlete and an activist for a lot of the other stuff that he do anyway. But I'm definitely loving how he's spreading his wings in Hollywood with the shop. With shut up and dribble. With more than an athlete, like all these visual artistic things that he's doing, that are both informative and insightful to see. Okay, it's it's good to see some of these dudes get introspective. He's also doing animated movies and doing uh, got roles coming up too. Man, listen, I didn't folks flirting with this Space Jam sequel for a minute. I don't know if that's really gonna
0: happen. They but should do that. That'll be. I mean, and he would be the only person that they should do it with, and they need to do it now. Yeah, it's popping. It's popping. But, poppin'. but I, I would appreciate him if he get his ass back on the court, too, though. But that's another story.
1: Uh, You know, the hamstring and yeah. the, the groin injury, I mean. I figured he was going to come the there and groin. be hurt, man. Yeah. We but get, but for get... what, though? For what? Because we'll wait to
0: talk about that because we getting too far off into the sports I'm not, world. No,
1: no, no. We freeballing. Because <laughs> I would love to say something about how Kyrie done jumped out there with the apology. I know you saw that. What? Apologize to LeBron? Yeah. You About leaving? Yes. Well, not, no, no, no. I don't want to put words <laughs> in the guy's mouth. You know, last weekend, they played Orlando. And lost. And they lost. Yeah. So Kyrie was getting that. The team. Yeah, I heard about that. And they kind of put him on blast for that in, in, in some of the sports pages. Okay. So then when they just played, who they played? Toronto? And then they won? hmm The post-game interview was Kyrie talking about the difficult role of leadership. So he had to call up LeBron and comment and talk to him a little bit about, yeah, man, I had to apologize because I was that guy. I was that knucklehead 20-year-old that wanted the world at his fingertips right away. And I realized that maybe that was tough on LeBron. That sound real good. And I've watched a couple pundits comment on how much of a man Kyrie is. He a bigger man for letting the world know that and apologizing. Too little, too late. Because guess what? I'm sticking to my guns. And I'm not even no sports aficionado. So let me not create no arguments that I ain't ready for. But if y'all want to smoke, y'all can find me on whatever social medias. I got some athletic, knowledgeable people around me that can vouch. Yes. Too little, too late. Because if Kyrie would have kept his head down and stuck with LeBron for real, Keep in mind, it's the same team that, when healthy, beat Golden State. Golden State, the year that they— to get KD. Exactly. To match up with them. Exactly. The Golden State team that won the year that they won had to face a Cavaliers team that didn't have Kevin Love and didn't have Kyrie. Next year, they come back healthy, and I don't want to hear that Draymond got put out. Draymond put himself out.
0: Draymond should have got put out the series before. Shit, he was lucky.
1: He was wilding,
0: Keep and that's the not the same thing as you can't an injury. can't get too many fucking chances, bro. You
1: kicking folks in the nuts and all that, you wilding out, Draymond put himself out.
0: Control yourself, Draymond.
1: So so when they face an even killed Golden State, they win.
0: I mean, they, if they got Kyrie and Kevin Love at full strength, they beat Golden State with
1: think about
0: Kevin if, Durant.
1: Think about it, if mind. the Cavs stay what they was. And now these dudes just coming up on their free agency and when they moved around, yo, yo, well no, Kawhi got traded. But your uh your boogie cousins, he was a free agent. Maybe he wouldn't have went to Golden State. Maybe he'd go to Cleveland. True that. Because it's still, in my opinion, not too late for you to get a little bit of shine if you would have been with a Cleveland that still got LeBron and still got Kyrie. Too little, too late, Kyrie. Uh, I mean,
0: I, I don't want to say it's too little, too late because I get where you're coming from. I definitely get where you're coming from. I feel you and everything because it was some weak-ass shit what he did. But at least the motherfucker was man enough to to learn it, see it, go through it, and then still was man enough to hit him up and apologize. That takes a lot to me. It do. You know what I'm saying? He could have been an old square-ass motherfucker like he was then and not Ooh. hit him up. You know what I'm saying? But it showed growth. So, with that being said, hey, motherfucker, you want to leave Boston to come on out to L.A., <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We ain't even tripping. It take y- a lot. Y- y'all can have Rondo and Ball. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck it.
1: It take a lot. It take a lot, but we got to get to these movies, man. Yeah, you and you know. And we, we had a chance to do a little bit of viewing, and, you know, it's, it's weird. It's a weird season right now in, in Hollywood, I think. You got to be a little... I know everybody holding their breath. And waiting for the bigger box office, Marvel movies and whatnot. I'm I'm off Marvel. I'm off comic book movies right now, bro. What the what? The uh, you heard what? me. You heard me. I don't know what kind of sound drop you want to stick in there. I'm off comic book we movies. We need one of those. I'm off comic book movies, man. Because I think they've peaked. Now, I said I'm off comic book movies. I'm still going to see them as they premiere. Yeah, because how you gonna get off comic book movies
0: after you got me on comic book movies? I'm
1: still gonna view them. We still gonna talk about them, but I'm off of the hype train. Well, I'm on Marvel. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm just off being this this guy that people come to and they want to have these conversations and they want to you know pick things apart because I think all that leads to is pointless arguments that I'm in with people. Because they think that I'm in defense of every movie. They think that I'm here to defend... Who the fuck they think you are? John Favreau or fucking Robert Downey Jr.? Part of the problem is... I find myself torn... In this world of being both a father... Which makes you an educator, right? True. Automatically. So I'm, I'm talking to my young fellas... And I'm, and I'm teaching them... Some of the things that I know... And I'm just teaching them ways to look at the world... And I find myself talking to them about collaborative efforts. And I think maybe our opinions will be biased, but I think we come from a similar world with the understanding that filmmaking is one of the most, if not the most, difficult collaborative efforts that can happen in the world. The only other thing I think that's arguably more difficult is politics. When it comes to working with people to getting an effort done. Like, for real, people might be like, oh, that sounds stupid,
0: but it's to me, it's like playing football. Like, everybody got to play their motherfucking role if you
1: want that shit to be a major success. If you want Super Bowl, everybody play their role to the team. Yeah, you got to play your part. So, real quick, I'm going to talk about it. We're not going to do a full review because I don't think we was both equally excited to go check this movie out, but I did take the kids to see Aquaman. And this brings me to my point of why I'm saying I think I'm off chirping about comic book movies a whole lot. I'm going I'm to I'm keep it brief. Batman v Superman wasn't terrible. The critics beat that movie up. Okay. They really, really beat that movie up. That, for a very long time, was a movie that I felt, before they even made it, would be one of the most difficult movies to translate to silver screen from, from comic book. I know that. Because how do you do it? Well, it, who who is it mostly about? Is it mostly about Batman with Superman featured? Is it about Superman with Batman featured? Or is it equal? Whatever. You got to get better writers in DC.
0: They writers are not. It, it shows. To me, it definitely shows that like, the, the storytelling for them is not as, as, as important as it is to the, Marvel. Marvel fucking stories... Bro, oh, what was it? Uh, the the last Avengers? They told like all like... these fucking stories on in different areas, and it all just went together so good. Now to me, that's that's difficult. And DC does not spend enough time telling their fucking stories to me. They stories yeah. like are just
1: bland, and I don't know, man. These movies just fucking suck to you, me, bro. You're right, but it's another thing that the Marvel movies are doing correct. And you notice it even only in the trailers right now because they recently released the Spider-Man Far From Home trailer. I'll put a link when I post this if y'all want to go check it out. Um, everybody at this time probably has already seen the Captain Marvel trailer. It looks dope. It looks super dope. Everybody know that the Avengers Endgame trailer been out and that movie coming. they going to probably drop a totally different type of trailer for y'all in the next month or two, what the Marvel line is doing, especially the Marvel Studios line, yes, you're correct. The writing is super dope. But what's really good about them is they tap into this subtle comedic banter that happens with their characters. And I think it kind of originated with Robert Downey Jr. character, uh, Tony Stark, where he kind of He's a little bit of an arrogant prick. He talks to people a certain way, but the the way that he delivers the lines is quirky. It's almost ad libbed, and you notice that in a lot of the characters in their movies now. They they spend downtime better. The DC movies don't spend their downtime well that like with their characters. That's, that's writing. That's writing. That's writing. Yeah, it's, it's, it's casting, writing. Yes. Uh,
0: directing. Yes. So they just putting together better movies. And it goes back to what we was just saying. Probably more motherfuckers is playing a role on the set
1: for Marvel than they are for DC. Oh, you mean the, with the, the collaborative effort yeah. connection like when you said, like football? Yes. You're right. You're right. You're right. I find myself defending Batman v. Superman. I still will. I can't defend Justice League. It was terrible. That, oh, Justice League was terrible. I found out some information. I think that Batman cartoon might have been better than that Justice League. What, the Batman Ninja? Yeah. (laughs) It was close. You might be right. I found out some information about that, which makes sense why that movie may have suffered. Zack Snyder and his wife, you know, his wife is the producer on there. He's a director and a producer. Their daughter was going through something while they was making Justice League, and they had to get off of it. So it ended up being directed by somebody else for the later half of the movie. I'm not trying to make excuses. I'm just simply saying. I just think they should have went away from Zack Snyder. No,
0: no. um
1: Yeah, but see, that would suggest that he did a bad job with Batman V Super and he didn't. And there's people out here. I'm not house. saying he did a horrible job
0: because I don't want to just shit on anybody. You make a film, you get it out there. Hey, props to
1: you. But come on, man. It could have been stronger. So Justice League is terrible. And then the next follow-up, like they knew was going to come anyway, some of the individual movies for the characters, which was Aquaman. Aquaman got a 7.5 out of 10 on IMDb. It got a 64% on Rotten Tomatoes. It got a 4.8 out of 5 on Facebook. And about 94% of Google users thumbed up it, which we know that don't mean shit. Once home to the most advanced civilization on Earth, the city of Atlantis is now an underwater kingdom ruled by the power-hungry king, Orm. With a vast army at his disposal, Orm plans to conquer the remaining oceanic people and then the surface world. Standing in his way is Aquaman, Orm's half-brother, half-Atlantean brother, and true heir to the throne. With help from royal counselor Volko, Aquaman must retrieve the legendary trident of Atlan, and embrace his destiny as protector of the deep. I'm saying all that to say this. Like we ain't finna do no real deep, real review on Aquaman. First off, people crazy about it because they love your guy Jason Lamore. Even my wife was like, let's go see that. I'm cool with her looking at the hunky Hawaiian. It's all good. Directed by James Wan. You know he married to uh, Lisa Bonet. Yeah, I heard that. I heard that. People, people told me about that afterwards. I know that this movie, like Bird Box, remember what we said about Bird Box, came out during the holiday break. People had a lot of downtime; they was going to the movies. I think a lot of people was going to see this. Oh,
0: okay, I didn't see Aquaman. Right,
1: I'm, right. I'm, Don't
0: waiting. Turn. I'm waiting on the, uh, uh, you know, the release, streaming release or uh, <laughs> Blu-ray, whatever you want to call right. it these days. Because you couldn't stomach going to see it at the theater. With DCs, it's just, you know, and I'm not. And then James Wan. I, the only thing I really like that he did was Saw back in 2004. Uh-huh. Because I ain't into The Conjuring, The Nun, and Insidious. So, I'm like, he did Aquaman.
1: woo
0: You got fire! Look he did Aquaman. The and I love that,
1: references.
0: That kind of like really, you know, that's it's a little different. So, I guess, you know, I give him his props for switching over. So, my question is, was Aquaman a little creepy? Because he does creepy-ass <laughs> movies. It, it had a couple creepy moments. Like underwater shit was creepy as hell and shit. But peep this. It's better than Justice League. I I believe it is. I mean, I'm gonna definitely check it out as soon as it
1: drops. <laughs> uh, and that's the one thing that I wish DC would get the most under control. They they solo character movies end up being good. People love Wonder Woman. Right?
0: Okay. You know
1: I'm not necessarily saying people loved Aquaman. It's not really getting terrible reviews, as a matter of fact. I think, no, I don't think, I know for a fact, it's got better reviews than the meat and potatoes movie that we're going to be reviewing in a couple minutes that we both saw, that we was committed to see, if I'm not mistaken, would have been the top billing movie that we would have talked about on this episode. The Aquaman? The Upside. Oh, yeah. I, I didn't want to let the cat out the bag. It's a couple things that I need to do before we move <laughs> on to that. Okay. I don't know what to tell the people, man. Like Aquaman got better reviews than some of the other movies that we're going to talk about. I'm still not going to sit here and suggest that y'all go see it. Because if I suggest that y'all go see it, that creates an endless conundrum of arguing for me where I have to then defend it. I'm I'm I got my hands full of defending the Marvel movies. I'm not gonna also try to defend these DC movies, cause as me and brother Ken agree, DC don't really get it right. They drop the ball sometimes.
0: I'm gonna tell y'all like this, man. You know, check it out when it come out on uh Blu-ray, or when you can see it free, possibly on like HBO or something if you got cable, because then you won't be that disappointed if you don't like it. But You know what I'm saying? If it's good, then you're
1: like, oh, okay. Mm. Fuck me up. I ain't expect it. You just talk to people all the way out of the whole thing like that.
0: I ain't even see it, y'all. So, I can't really talk y'all all all the way out of it.
1: You just said that you wouldn't even tell the people to go see it. Yeah, I wouldn't tell them to go see it, but that's because I'm trying to save myself from arguing with folks. I think you kind of on the low telling us it ain't that good. It's better than Justice League.
0: What is that saying, though?
1: Okay, so, I just said Batman
0: Ninja might be better than Justice
1: okay, League. Okay, so earlier when I was saying the difficulty of the collaborative effort of making film... Like, okay, film straddles this world of being both art and of, of an investment.
0: It's not that hard when you got like 160 to $200 million budget, though. Uh, how much did it make? What, what, what did it reel in? I mean, I'm sure it made their money,
1: but I'm saying it's not hard to make a movie when you got that much money to do. That's that's not true. If you believe that more money on the table reduces the amount of debate that happens, we both lie to each other. No, nah, I'm saying it ain't saying that. So I mean, if you got you got these people sitting around arguing, talking about you know, which direction it should go in, how this should happen, how long it should be, how short it should be, composing music. Like I found myself in a situation explaining to my kids how difficult filmmaking is, but I was using it to like explain just choices that we make in, in our everyday lives and, and especially your career choice. Like I really wouldn't encourage people to get involved with filmmaking as a career. Because it can be entirely, entirely too stressful. Look We
0: are definitely at war on that um statement. Really? Yeah. Man, I don't want nobody to come do this. I don't want nobody to come do this. This Is it stressful? Hmm. It can be a little bit, but most jobs are stressful to people. People get up and go to a job every single day, do the same old shit, and that's stressful. They fucking hate it. The thing about doing film is you don't know what you're going to do. You know what I'm saying? It depends on what you do on set. To be honest with you, like, I mean, it's just... Man, that's a very... It ain't nothing like it, man. It's like, I sometimes I ain't gonna lie to you. It's like getting up. Oh, early. I gotta get up early as hell. We got that early call time. But guess what? So When I get to set and I'm set up and I see these fellas walking around and some of the uh, women we work with, that we work with all the time. Your energy go up? It just feels good. It's almost like family sometimes. The people that you constantly work with that you know that's cool. At least cool on set. All right. It's just a good feeling. But I mean, I feel you on the stress part, but I wouldn't... Tell nobody that they shouldn't go into
1: it. But he's definitely right. It can get stressful. I mean, I, I and when I make those statements, I'm not offering any regret on myself. I don't think you and I have made any mistakes. But I think we're unique people. So we'll survive. True. We'll make it because of who we are to begin with. I think we're also surrounded by people that either don't take what we do serious Ask us a million questions about man, how can I get down? How can I come do well, this? And if they're offered an opportunity, they don't take it serious. No, no, I get it. I get it. I definitely get that. That part now. definitely pissed me off. Well, so just, if this is gonna be a PSA, don't ask me how to get in the industry.
0: No 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 no. I, I get it. I
1: get it. Okay. Because you can't
0: you can't be no average Joe or any old person to be doing this type of you shit. You better off
1: going to work in a factory somewhere or sit yeah. in a cubicle it, because it, every almost Almost okay, every you time, saying like it ain't for everybody. It ain't for everybody. Almost every time I've offered somebody an opportunity to get on, and you and I both know they're gonna have to start the same places we started. They're gonna have to PA. They act like that's the most demeaning, unacceptable line of work in the world. Yeah, I damn near miss my PA days sometimes. Shit, that's I met David
0: Gordon Green. Uh, P, PA and PA, and if you, especially if you do like some tech scout shit on something big, oh, you gonna run into somebody. All right, and if you into Film and trying to do something, that's the best thing to do. And you get it like if you run into somebody that's like a director that's doing something and they was
1: a PA, oh they give you mad props. Man, and they and they'll chop it up with you straight up and, and actually what people need to recognize is that's their doorway of opportunity that could lead to something else.
0: It could lead to anything if you're a PA because you can learn every fucking Uh, position on set every job
1: so many people that don't recognize that opportunity though man i guess that's us giving them a little dose of hashtag set life right there straight up that's y'all set life right there. i guess we snuck it in i guess we snuck hashtag set life in and speaking about being on set if you folks ever find yourself in a position where you need some tools some resources some personnel some locations on any set that's going on in wisconsin but you find yourself short of some of those resources, I'll tell you where to go. Go to badgerguide.com. BadgerGuide Guide has all the resources that you need for any production in Wisconsin. It is the production guide and number one resource for anything that you need based on production in Wisconsin. You find yourself traveling from out of town, you get here, you need some rentals, you need some people, you need some quotes, you need anything. Check them out. BadgerGuy.com got everything you need. They got swag. They got shirts, hoodies, t-shirts, coffee mugs. And they have a complete directory listing of all the people that you would need to get in touch with to satisfy your production needs. That's BadgerGuide here in Wisconsin. Tell them the boys that Ken Flick sent you. And
0: that's my two cents, brother. Shout out to BadgerGuide. Check them out.
1: So. Did you see the upside? Yeah, I saw it. What you think? We don't even ask each other that question. Like, we we sit here, we spill a little bit of factoids about the movie that we saw. We don't even really open up with, what did you think about the movie? If I need to answer that question about Aquaman, I'm lukewarm on it. Get it? Lukewarm. <laughs> that was a joke I just made up. It's a water reference.
0: I don't know about that lukewarm shit, but, you know, <laughs> you, you you laughed a little too hard about that joke, bro. Well, I tried. <laughs> I tried. Hey, now you got me laughing, so obviously it was a successful <laughs> joke. We both laughed.
1: Did you get a chance to check
0: out The Upside? Yes, I did. What would you think about it? Uh, That was a good movie. I, it's not as good as I thought, because after you just told me, it was like the third remake. Uh-huh. So uh-huh. that took a little bit away from it for me, but. Did it? Yeah, a little bit. I don't know why, but that's just me. It just it wasn't that original, so. uh Well, it's, it's based on a true story. True, but it's still you got like so many the things to look at and do the same movie. And the movie was like the little <clears throat> clips you showed me; they were so exactly
1: alike. Mm-hmm. It's well, like shot for shot. You know, that added to it for me, oddly enough. Okay. You know, I find myself being a little. Eh, bland about it, I, I think that the anticipation was high though like I think a lot of people were encouraged to go see this movie with it being Kevin's Kevin Hart's first dramatic lead role and that part about it didn't necessarily make a big deal for me I was actually probably a little more excited to see Brian Cranston but if anything, the two of them together is really really what I wanted to see. And um, I knew a lot of people would be talking about it. It's definitely a feel-good movie to, for 2019. But more than anything, I think that uh, it, it's, it's a heartwarming story. And I found myself smiling the whole time I was watching it, weirdly enough. Now, that doesn't necessarily speak to the greatness of the movie, that doesn't automatically make it a a runaway favorite for me. I just find myself in a good mood watching the movie, and, and it had a lot of positivity to it. Yeah,
0: really, it was a good movie. I saw it with my wife; uh, she enjoyed it. You know, it was what you call a what I would call one of those you know feel good movies, trying to make you feel a little good at the end. Oh yeah, you want to hook me up, man? I Appreciate that. Yeah, yeah.
1: Um. You was trying to hook me up
0: when we, when we first got here. Yeah, directed by Neil Berger. Uh huh. I don't know, man. It was just
1: it, it
0: was
1: it's just even. It was like, eh, wow, you know? wow. It's funny that you say it was just even. The upside had a forty percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Keep in mind that's lower than the sixty four percent that I mentioned earlier on Aquaman. It had a five point five out of ten on IMDb. A forty three, uh, forty six percent on Metacritic. And 91% of Google users thumbed up that. Disclaimer I always have to point out that Google users liking shit doesn't mean anything. Google users be stoned like a Like, like, <laughs> like. <laughs> Philip is a wealthy quadriplegic who needs a caretaker to help him with his day to day routine in his New York penthouse. He decides to hire Dell, a struggling parolee who's trying to reconnect with his ex and his young son. Despite coming from two different worlds, an unlikely friendship starts to blossom as Dale and Philip rediscover the joy of living life to its fullest. I'm living my best life, yeah. So
0: Philip, aka P, he well it seems that he wasn't too happy about his life, you know what I mean? I'm not saying that he should have been. He wasn't too happy, so in the beginning it's like uh he hires Dale, which is Kevin Hart. Because he, he wanted a sh- uh, terrible caretaker. So that, I, well, that, I took
1: from that. I actually dug that part of it. You know that he already signed multiple DNR forms. He was letting his staff know around him that he was pissed off with them trying to revive him. Mm-hmm. And you you discover that maybe Dale is hired to be an intentional fuck up. Yes. Like he's definitely going to drop the ball so I'm going to get what I want faster. So that creates the irony. But I don't backfires I, in a great way right. for, for Pete. I just don't know how true to the true story that that is. I'm not going to sit here and split hairs about it. I know they have to dramatize certain things to make it more entertaining. You know, they got to sweeten the pot a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They got to make it something worth people watching. But this movie being based on a true story is an interesting thing. Like we mentioned earlier, we discovered how many variations of this same story that it was. Yeah, they got a game. So in 2012 a movie called The Untouchables was released. Um I think from what I saw this movie might be a little more nah, it's, it's not more accurate to the story but it's a French film. Um it stars uh no I don't know those actors names but it the the characters names were Philippe Pazo de Borjo and Abdel Salil in Algerian. Um there's an interesting story that was released by the Daily Beast about this version of, of the movie. Um I think it it won a gang of awards. Um and if I'm not mistaken, you can catch it right now on Amazon Prime, the Intouchables. Oh, okay. Another movie that's damn near shot for shot, just like it, but the version that Ken and I was looking at a little while ago is called The Inseparables, Okay. which, <laughs> uh, you know, maybe this happens more often than we pay attention to. Hold on real
0: quick. The Intouchables was a foreign, you said it was a French film, huh? Yes. Okay,
1: because it says here Les Intouchables. Yeah, uh, Les, yeah. well,
0: Les is the yeah, French. Yeah, I'm just saying
1: though. Uh, Les Intouchables, a 2012 release and um, that. the the inseparables you can find that one on Netflix look at us we are touching on all points of the show now Netflix streaming blue ray and, and box office but it's it's essentially the same story now the the true to life story is uh based on very similar the the quadriplegic philippi de borjo was paragliding in uh, 1993 and suffered injuries from a paragliding accident. And it's also true that his wife died a couple years shortly after from cancer. Um, but the, the original um, Dell Abdel Salil, being an Algerian, is the one thing that I think they changed the most dramatically about the story what was that uh, what was, so what was that change well he was an Iranian uh, no was he an Iranian or was he the Algerian um, but they made the character in the Intouchables uh, a Syrian okay and obviously in the American version the Kevin Hart movie the upside he's just uh, African American so I'm wondering does that make the story more endearing because it's a, it's a either way it goes you're dealing with a black black or brown person okay. but did they achieve something different by making him a black person for the sake of the story because they used a lot of those points in the upside like when Dale says to Yvonne you scared of me yeah, and she says, "Well, not for the reasons that you think." Well, like you know, come on now, let's let's keep it real. What they're talking about right there, they're talking about, you know, race relations. And and this movie didn't spend a ton of time arguing about race relations, but they don't ignore that You know, it's there. Gotcha. You know what I mean? So
0: I want to touch on the real, uh, the real point to me that I went to go see this movie mm-hmm. is do you how do you feel about Kevin Hart and the role he played as Dale I thought I'm just going to say what I thought real quick because I definitely want to know what you thought I thought he did pretty good so you talking about a comedic actor switching over to some taking role. on
1: more of a dramatic role yes basically what I call the Tom Hanks do you call it the Tom Hanks because in your mind, he the guy that parlayed it
0: the best. Yeah, I think he was the most successful at it, as coming from being like a goofy ass comedian. Cause it's like I, when I talk about it, I talk about it as far as like certain comedians that were just like ah wow, goofy, mm-hmm. and I could name a few as like uh, Melissa McCarthy, mm-hmm. which you see she got that movie that's to drop soon on um, on Blu-ray. On Blu-ray, can you ever forgive me? Uh, you got Michael Keaton, who's one of my favorites he um, goes like Mr. Mom doing shit like that and then he goes uh, Pacific Heights and Spotlight and Birdman win Oscars. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kristen Wiig, I didn't get to see, I think it's called The Skeleton Twins with her movie where she uh, did I didn't get to check that out. I've been wanting to see that. <clears throat> and I mean, Jamie Foxx. So, obviously Tom Hanks. You look at the type of films they used to do or the type of comedy that they used to do and then they could switch over and play that dramatic role and do such a good job at it it's to me that's just amazing it shows the range and those are like the real actors to me because they can play
1: any role basically so do you think Kevin Hart did a good job of the switch up portrayal uh
0: I think he did a good job in the it's, to me I call this what, what I would call a transition movie mm-hmm. which what was Forrest Gump to the Tom Hanks to me mm-hmm. And um, Tom Hanks won an Oscar for that, but he was—he was, was lead. I don't know how they're gonna play this out. Is Kevin Hart the lead, or is it Brian Cranston? Um, you know how that goes. Yeah, that's a good one. You know how that shit go, so we never know how that's gonna play out.
1: But that's a good one. I think we gonna call Kevin Hart the lead on this one because, although you witness a lot of Philip's life, you—you're you, more engaged in it from an aspect of how. Dale influences all those other things. And then in turn. You're in touch with a lot more of Dale's personal life. You see Dale with more of the antagonists in his world. Like the guy that's trying to convince him to come back to selling dope. And in addition talking to his son. Which leads us to believe maybe he's making himself dope also. You witness the ex. And some of the perils that. Kevin Hart is the lead in that movie. And that kind of sucks to me, and that's I will only say that once,
0: probably because I don't know if his. I'm I mean, gonna I even say I don't know. I don't think his his uh, him that lead was strong enough for an Oscar
1: nomination. Even I think maybe as a supporting character, he might. Ooh, you, talking, got not. you talking sensitive subject now? When you mention Kevin Hart and the Oscars in the same, they series. still want him. They still want they him. They still want him. They so sl- it don't matter. They might throw him in there. Like just throw him in there for. Cause we, we were sorry. <laughs> I was sorry. <laughs> I go from him apologizing to them apologizing? They still want me. That's
0: funny. Um, but you know what I'm saying. Um, I I, I need
1: I need to hear you. I don't know go if it's strong enough. I don't know if it's so, strong. So enough. you don't think it's strong enough based for on Kevin Hart's performance or the role didn't require him to do much.
0: I don't think the role required him to do much right. for a lead. Right. Oscar or not, like I said, I definitely think, I wouldn't be mad if he got a uh, supporting.
1: No, he the lead. He definitely the lead. So, yeah, he's probably not going to, I mean, i will be shocked if he. uh, And here go the other thing, as I'm sitting here thinking about it, in comparison to some of those other people that we named, and I got a couple folks on my list that I need to throw out there as far as transitional actors, I don't think it was really that much of a transition for Kevin Hart. When you think about it, a lot of those scenes in this movie, he's still doing more comedic bits. Mm. He's not even necessarily doing that much
0: drama based. I disagree. He was that was I didn't I didn't see a lot of uh and I I purposely l- looked at that, Joe. I didn't see a lot of yeah. Kevin Hart goofy, silly, yeah. funny. Only yeah. time I really saw that was when they went uh yeah.
1: Paragliding, and he's yeah. y'all hear that? Y'all hear that? He calling me Joe and shit. Y'all better get your popcorn. Y'all know what's coming. We had, we had full war. I don't. I don't think he was being Kevin Hart, and Man, it, and, you, and, and and it didn't. His comedy oh did not my, have to nah, drive
0: the movie. You're wildin'. Kevin Hart is a, He he, he was being a
1: goofball that Kevin Hart does be? That dude was always down because he was down half of the movie because of his uh position in life. I'm gonna tell you about his shorty. I'm gonna tell you right now. Aside from when he talked to the drug dealer. Aside from when he talked to his baby mama. them the only times he delivers. Non-comedic gesturing lines. Everything else is damn near laughable. Everything else is nowhere how. Somebody would talk to it's another adult. It still ain't normal. It's still a normal Kevin Hart comedy. It ain't the normal Kevin Hart. It, it might not be normal. On stage, stand up, Kevin Hart, but it's the same shit that he was doing in Night School, same shit that he was doing in Jumanji, because that's that's what Kevin Hart is parlaying in the world right now. Oh hell, nah,
0: man, bro, definitely at war. I'm I'm gonna line
1: it up for you. I'm gonna line it up. You ready? What? Okay, when he talking to his uh, what is it? A parole officer? I don't know, cause I don't go to jail. When when he's yeah. PO, when he reporting to the PO, mm-hmm. he a pure asshole. He he. But it's still the, the mad at life and you're softy. La- no, nah, but you're laughing at that. You when you see that scene, you laugh at that. Like, oh, no, I'm clapping. not saying he's not funny, but what I'm saying is he playing a different role. Not really. To me, I, I think I, that's I very much. I think he is. I think that's very. First off, I think that's one of the reasons why they was comfortable casting. Kevin Hart for this I think that they Approached him like We need a guy Cause even in the Descriptions
0: Bro I think I, I'm not I'm not disagreeing On none of the stuff you saying Right I think he They wanted him to be funny But he being The script funny He not being Kevin Hart Straight I mean he's using
1: His talent But I think it's more acting But then that's Nowhere near As dramatic As we might see Let's say I say it's the Transition movie So I don't think It's gonna be completely Some old Notebook-ass dramatic movie. But I needed to be full if we compared to some of these other people. If we Forrest only, Gump wasn't full. That, that was goofy. Wait a minute. That's still a little different. Because that was funny. Even, uh, even even with Forrest Gump. Forrest Gump was funny. Even Forrest Gump is the character. that All the things that we was doing that we was laughing at wasn't mm-hmm. an attempt for him to be funny. Kevin was still trying to be funny. With the penis, mm-hmm. that's funny. Hey. With the with the reaction when he give him the check, that's funny.
0: Yo, I'm saying I agree, but it's just like with DeForest Gump. That wasn't like that normal Tom Hanks funny, and it wasn't the funny of everybody they wanted to play the role before him. Yeah, Chevy but, Chase, Bill Murray. Who the fuck? Yo, somebody else they wanted to play that role. Yeah, but, they all funny dudes. But let's not,
1: if we're going to talk about the transition, let's talk about. I'm saying the first movie ain't going to be that. You ain't going to come hardcore okay, like that. Okay, bro. L- listen, listen. This is, oh, I'm going right now. Let's Let do, it. do it. Let's do it. Listen, last episode, when you threw the top five shit on me, I actually forgot something that I needed to point out that was one of my favorites from 2018. Game Night. You did say Game Night. Did I? Yeah. I thought I might you have missed it. You Game Night. I watched Game Night again.
0: Game Night was damn good. Their game Night was probably the best comedy with a little bit
1: of... It had a, what you call that, a little dark side comedy. Now, guess what was going on in Game Night? Game Night was a movie where... A bunch of serious actors: Jeffrey Wright, um, that motherfucker that was the lead. Jason. Uh, Jason, Jason Bateman. Bateman. He's suiting the
0: house. Hold on. he's super serious in Ozark. Yeah, that's Ozark though. But do you remember dude from back
1: in the day? He started off in like comedy, right? But even in Game Night, that's not like knee slapping slapstick comedy. That's just the timing. Actually, to you, me, Game Night was perfect for the type of actor he is because you, he does both type of. If you want to peep
0: what Game Night really was, he's actually another person that we should have been. He's a person that you could say that to about.
1: Absolutely, Same. that's why I brought him up. Yeah, Game Night actually lives in a world of a thriller. Yeah, it is. It's, it's, Game it's Night a, is like a. It, it, it's like a darker comedy. It, it makes you think it's gonna be a slasher thriller, and they use a lot of those tricks, like when his when his brother jump out the kitchen with the knife. They do the zuzu. Okay,
0: where's this going with our? What
1: what I'm saying is Kevin Hart ain't doing no stretch out of comedic shit because a lot of the way that he delivered the lines and all those scenes are still set up to be damn near. Oh, look at Kevin Hart being funny again when he give him the check and he in the restaurant. Oh, hell no, that's funny when he when he when you watching the montage of scenes of him getting him used to. Getting yeah. in and out of the bed in a chair. R-E-S-P-E-C-T. That's funny. It's way more comedic scenes in that movie than it even needs to be. This, dude, it's completely different. But there's no way that different we finna- to be. But we're not finna sit him up next to, let's say, a Jamie, right? Who we know come from deep, deep comedy. What, what you right? We're right the- gonna set him up next to a Jamie, because Jamie played Ray. So
0: that's the same type of movie, man.
1: What about? It don't got to be the same about a type of movie. That's my point. The transition of the actor doing something more serious. Okay. So if your point is Kevin Hart wasn't required to do it. Didn't Jamie Foxx do a movie before that as like a supporting role? I'm not. It don't even got to be. Yeah. He was old boy and Ali. He, he, yeah. He,
0: yeah cool that was, that's the transition role right there for you. Huge. But he was funny in that motherfucker though. He did have some funny parts. When he, he talked, he was silly. He was like hooked on dope. It was some silly. Listen. I think it's,
1: you know, it wasn't a normal Jamie Foxx funny though. Kev, Kev ain't did it yet. Now, maybe Kev ain't did hey. it yet because the role ain't I never Foxx. said he okay. did. It don't even got to be, because see, we keep pointing out a bunch of damn near biopic type movies. So, it don't even got to be based on no real life character. Look at Jamie in Law Abiding Citizen. Nothing funny. Nothing funny. That's a, an equivalent of, like, Will Smith in Enemy of the State. Hell, even that kind of has some funny scenes. I mean. When he was tripping about his blender. Uh, Robert. He had to have about one or
0: two. I mean. Robert was, Dean. Law-abiding citizen had to have, like, one or two things that was funny. But he was straight
1: serious. Nah. I, look. I'm going to keep it real with you, bro. Now that I'm sitting here thinking about it. Cam didn't really do anything different than he do. If this would have been a rom-com. Which, those are comedies. And a rom-com, Think Like a Man? Yes.
0: Man, come on. you telling me Kevin Hart is the same Think Like a Man as he is in...
1: The, the only difference... Oh, you tripping. The only difference is it's a little more subtle. He pulling back just a little bit. Just a little bit. It's a lot of bit. He way subtle. When Kevin, I mean, he's still funny, but it's way more subtle. Though. Kevin Hart in the upside is not... And, and now, hold on now. This isn't me suggesting that I dislike Kevin Hart or I think he did a poor performance. He's not delivering nothing, anything, in my opinion, that counts as a transition from comedy to dramatic or dramatic to comedy. Now, there's a couple of examples of folks out there that went from dramatic to comedic. This is probably only the second movie
0: that Kevin Hart did like that in his life. And you already ready to sit him up there next to some of these greats? Whoever said that? Whoever, when, anybody in this show, rewind these shits. I never once said that shit.
1: Look at Robert De Niro. Dramatic his entire life. Look what Meet the Pairs did to him. That's some of the funniest shit in the world. But guess what, though? He was funny. He was very funny in there. But he was
0: still like, he still was dramatic funny. He wasn't like goofy funny. Now, if you go watch him in, um, Check him out in Silver and Lion's playbook. He's a little bit more, you know, he's a little bit sillier. And then then he goes and does a movie with Zac Efron, the granddad movie, yeah. and he's super fucking silly. So he transitioned. Kevin Hart, we got to see what he do with this next type of movie that's not a comedy. And after that, we'll see where that go. Before we can judge him, and I'm going to say that we're going to put him up there. Because I'm not saying his transition
1: him, movie did what Tom Hanks did. I need to see him in some shit like a money bowl. I need to see him in something like... A, um, Whatever you be in, he gonna have some funny little parts that's just gonna yeah, be Yeah, maybe. Like one or two. But I need to see him in something that's like clear cut. I need to see him in something like a moonlight dramatic before I'm ready to start making the dramatic to comedy comedy so you to see dramatic him in a, You wanna see him in a dramatic
0: movie that you gonna hate? Well, don't do that, man. <laughs> see, now you... <laughs>
1: what, what would you Personal bro. <laughs> no, yes, I wasn't super impressed with Moonlight. Bro, we just talking like. about that. In this episodes. If people listening to our show, they know you don't like Moonlight. <laughs> folks know that. Folks know that. But look at Jim Carrey. Jim
0: Carrey is somebody who we did not mention, and I wish I should have said Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey is
1: a comedic. What was this?
0: God. What was this trans transition movie? Dark Crimes. That's just for real. Like serious movie, but what was this transition movie when he kind of did something?
1: Oh well, to me, okay. When like he, the
0: Eternal, here he go a better comparison. Mind no, or no, some no, shit.
1: truly show more, more dramatic, but, but still in a, in a realm where you could laugh. To me, that's all Kevin Hart just did. Okay, and I definitely don't disagree with that. that the transition movie, but it's only half a transition. No. I need to see him in some shit where...
0: We, no, like I said, we got to judge him on the next one. Only, only like, Tom Hanks murdered it. That's why I call it the Tom Hanks. Yeah, he I,
1: you, you ready to crown Tom Hanks the goat. I, and I think we went through this with an episode when we revisited it before. Tom Hanks is dope, but my I
0: like Michael Keaton a
1: lot. Uh, you know, okay. I'll tell you what I will give Michael Keaton credit for. Because this is where it, it get. Super enticing when you're talking about an actor's ability. Before we get into our actor's
0: ability, I definitely want to hear this. Who are we at war or peace with this upside? Because we can just leave the upside alone. I think it was all right. But I think Kevin Hart did he did a solid job. We'll see what he doing do on the next one. I'm not I, saying I found, he did a I found Oscar myself performance. smiling
1: through the whole movie. I think it's a great date movie. I probably wouldn't watch it again. Uh, the the reviews was worse than Aquaman. I
0: won't watch it again. So I,
1: y'all tell me what y'all think about that. How the hell was Aquaman's numbers higher than the Upside? That's true. You're right. But how is that possible? Because because more people want to see Aquaman and went to see it. Right. I feel like I enjoyed the Upside over over uh, Aquaman, but I'm talking about Michael Keaton, who. Mr. Mom. Multiplicity. He's been in a ton of sketches. Michael Keaton had the world at a point where he could have went full comedic. Mm -hmm. Okay,
0: then Batman. Before that, Batman, he had the Pacific Heights, if you peeped that with Matthew Modine. Where he's... Like the landlord or whatever. Yeah. The villain, right? Okay. I mean, he played a sick little role in that one. I thought that was dope. That's what made me start liking him a lot.
1: Michael Keaton... Could arguably be one of the most underappreciated. I think appreciation jumped up a little bit around the time he did Birdman. Spotlight, too. But I think the guy was even dope in Spider-Man. Homecoming. I know I said I'm off Marvel. I'm just talking about what a person does as a character now. Michael Keaton can slip in and out of these people. And give you better perspectives on these people being like an, an original rendition of that character. He's been superhero. He's been super villain. He's been protagonist. He's been antagonist. The boy dope, the boy and he been raw. funny and he been not funny. He raw as hell man. But Jim Carrey the god though. Jim Carrey the god. Jim Carrey get an Oscar didn't holler. Damn. Damn.
0: Yeah. I mean you can't be the goat. It ain't got no go. Damn. Call at him, Jimmy. Jimmy ain't fucking with Michael Keaton. Don't forget he was a fool in the other guys quoting all the uh, TLC songs.
1: And <laughs> <laughs> was serious as fuck when he quoting them too. I think uh, when Jim did the Truman Show, people was ready to take him serious. Um, Eternal Shun, sunshine and the spotless mind. That was a totally different that was a very quirky movie, though. It was a numbers. weird movie. What was that? Numbers he did or some shit? And I, I haven't seen a single oh, 23? Ep- Uh, Number 23, yet, And I, I haven't seen an episode of it yet, so I can't comment. But I have heard people speaking highly of Kidding, the series the on Mr. Showtime. Mr. Rogers-looking type show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I might want to check that out. I haven't watched it yet. I got Showtime.
0: Maybe I need to check that out. Bro, did you have some Golden Globes info for the people? Uh, no, I, I not really, but I did want to say something that has something to do with the Golden Globes. Say, I talked about this before. I get to talk about it again. I was uh, minding my own business. But I guess this is what happens when you put something on social media. People going to tell you what they feel about it. So I can't get mad. Definitely not mad. I posted that uh, Bohemian Rhapsody was the best movie I've seen all year. Mm-hmm. And first, I want to ask you a question, dude. Mm-hmm. Like... Movies that win Golden Globes, do they normally get, like, nominated for, at least
1: nominated for Oscars? People have always said that... For the most part, right? Yeah, Golden Globes winners are a way to forecast Oscars nominees and possibly, arguably, winners. Because Golden Globes is kind of like the tremor before the earthquake. You know it's coming. Okay. So, yeah, let me finish telling you. So...
0: I posted Bohemian Rhapsody this is the best movie I have seen all uh, year, and uh, a, a coworker, pretty cool dude. I I don't really know him like that on, but from the time I work with him, he's is pretty Is he gonna cool. remain nameless? Yeah, I ain't gonna do my man's like that. He got to come on the show first, and then we could talk shit. I wish I
1: knew who he was, cause I oust his ass. <laughs>
0: <laughs> he came at me, bro. He said, uh, "Well, you haven't seen too many good. Mo- you haven't seen many movies this year." Hey, check my track records, man. I, I I might not watch a lot of that, you know, shit that a lot of people think is good. <laughs> you know, uh, I don't know certain. You know, I'm just saying. I don't even know what type of type of movie to even name It's Maybe like what did I say before? Shit like maybe Phantom Thread or mm-hmm. even Call Me by Your Name from last. Like, I think those was last year movies. Well, you was pretty adamant about shit. seeing that one though. What? Call Me by Your
1: Name?
0: No, I wasn't. You sure? I'm hell no. I didn't want to. I was I put it like this. Yes, I was. Because I was wanting to see all the Oscar picks. Right, right, right. But once I saw them, I wasn't happy. <laughs> because I wasn't happy about that shit. Uh,
1: okay. I okay. did not enjoy that. I
0: actually fell asleep part of that shit.
1: Okay, wait for I war piece. Fall the war and peace. I don't fall asleep. The war piece peace that's going to come from this year's Oscars. Because I don't even know what they plan on sticking out there as nominees. Is it even enough fucking movies to talk about? No, yeah, but just let me close this out.
0: So since I guess me and the people from, from the Golden Globes don't know what we haven't, none of us seen a lot of movies because they also picked Bohemian Rhapsody for best drama movie and won the Golden Globe. And I Freddie, see, and Freddie Mercury won best uh, actor I for see, drama.
1: I see so, where
0: you eat that motherfucker. Thanks, <laughs> motherfucker. <laughs> I'm trying to <you>, knock my <laughs> shit. <laughs> motherfucker, <laughs> knock the golden
1: globe, <laughs> Come on. That was the bar! That was a bar. Come Listen, on, man. we holler at y'all next time, man. We got something <laughs> in the works for y'all real good on this next episode.
0: Mm. Ooh, yeah. We ain't even going to tell y'all. We just going to let y'all see it. Yeah. Shoot the glass. All right, I'm out of here.